Hey, Peter Howard here on the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Don't let them know. Keep it quiet. But I've infiltrated the nerd base. Come check out the show. I'll tell you how to beat them. Thanks. Yeah. Chicken, chicken or crow, crow. Chicken or crow. Crossing hey, Peter Howard here from the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Do you find yourself thinking about nerds? Do you want to beat nerds all the time? Do you sometimes? I know. Whatever Dynasty Outhouse would say. Listen to the Dynasty Crossroads. I hope you beat the nerds. Let's go. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the... We're gonna be okay. I don't know. I don't know about that. From DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts, that's Stumpy the Bear. I thought that was funny. Apparently, it's just over the head of a lot more people, so whatever. I hate you all. Oh, man, that's a lot of stuff I have to edit out now. That's the injury savant, Dr. Ethan Turner. Nose uh, and mouth. Anyway, we don't care. Been, nobody cares about that. It's been so We're here for long. football. We're here for football. It's been so long since we've done this together that you guys totally forgot how this works. I don't care. We're having conversations in our introduction. It's me. It's that old SFD. And this is the Super Flex Super Show. Hold on. Do you you guys... Three minutes in, we finally get the intro done. Do you get to use the same intro from now on? Is that... That's some bullshit. That's That's the plan, yeah. That's some bullshit. Yeah. 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 That's I, you guys. This is like, a dictatorship. It because is because John just makes all the decisions. Yeah, for you us have no idea. You have no idea the extent of my authoritarianism here. <laughs> uh, you're about to find out. He had a show sheet. The show sheet didn't even work. Don't let him fool you. Okay, <laughs> these are th- he is a false dictator. Everyone knows that Stompy and I are running the show however we want, and John will just handle it as he goes along. You guys aren't even on the same show sheet, actually. Like, I, I've divided, and uh, now is the time to conquer. Um, because what's going to happen here, what what you guys are going to do for me, I'm going to uh, crack the whip, and you're going to dance. Um, dance for me, clowns. Uh, because we're doing a, a top six, top six. We're doing a super six, a continuation of what, uh, of what James and Brian and I did last week. Um, where we did the we talked about the quarterbacks and the tight ends. Uh, this week we're going to do running backs and wide receivers. You guys are going to give me, you are going to give me. <laughs> this is fun. The the running backs and the wide receivers that you're going to get out. You're going to go out of your way to roster these players this year for for 2020. This is normally we take kind of a dynasty focus. Uh, to the super show, but for this exercise, we're really kind of focusing on redraft. We're focusing on 2020. Uh, but you know, like we said last week, part of what happens in fantasy analysis a lot of times is no one really just takes a hard line stand on very many players. <laughs> Stompy, Stompy raises his hand. There, there's a, there's a. There's definitely a uh, a good percentage of that going on with the Superflex Super Show. Oh, um, we yell about it. Yeah, but and we want to ramp it up even farther today because a lot of a lot of analysts, I mean they they like everyone. They talk about all the players they like and it's basically everyone. 
And it all here's here's the thing, guys. Like it 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 all amounts to the you know that BS that I hate about letting the draft come to you. Like, don't go into it with a plan. Just kind of just see what happens. Take the best player available. Screw that. You know who the best player available is going to be. You know which players you want on your roster. Go freaking get them. And so to, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Who are the guys that you're going to go get? You're absolutely planning on having these guys on your roster. You'll reach for them if you have to, but no matter what, you're going to end up with these players, these running backs and these wide receivers. These are the guys that you will not compromise on. You, you, you're not going to waffle on this. You're not ambiguous with your feelings on this. These are the guys, these are your guys. So yeah, that's, that's about as forceful as I can put this. So I think we should just get to it. And uh, yeah, let's, let's start with you stomp with, uh, with your running backs. Well, I mean, we all know that I am a running back connoisseur. What do they they call wine enthusiasts or not wine enthusiasts, but the guys that sniff and taste it and whatever they call them sommeliers? Is that I right? I think they're alcoholics. <laughs> oh, no, those are the wine people. Sommeliers are the wine people. <laughs> wine people. <laughs> Stompy, you leave my mother out of this. S- S- no, it's <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's on you, buddy. You drew that conclusion. <laughs> I hope your wife doesn't listen to this. Um, what, what are what are I we? My mother. My no, wife no, hold on. That's what I'm that. saying, though. Is and then, the, like beer, the, beer, beer, like the equivalent for beer is called a cicerone. I, I don't know what we are. We're we're just big idiots, but I am a running back connoisseur. People. Huh? That, that, we're the gluten-free beer people. No, no, no. You are a gluten-free beer person. Don't lump me in with your nonsense, John. I'm tr- I'm trying to rein you guys in right. entirely and get you get you to all right. Let me talk. Mind. Well, now you're interrupting me. Stop interrupting me so I can get going. Sommelier uh, is a profession, by the why way. Why is everyone yes, yelling? That. They're so like professional yelling. wine drinkers. Because I always yell, Ethan, have you not listened to me on any podcasts? I mean, I have for like the last year. Always. And each, yeah. and each time I'm like, Gosh, literally yell. yelling it's at me. So loud. All right. It's so loud. And John right. is like, I'm, so I'm, still, I'm still getting interrupted. I, John You're wants so to see you. I'm trying to rope us in. It's like herding cats. Yep. Ugh. All right. Um, so. I, the way I looked at it was guys that are going to outperform their ADP, but in, in essence, it's looking at guys that will be on my roster or the, like the top six that would be uh, on my roster at, in 2020. Um, so I'm starting with Nick Chubb. Listen, I get it. Kareem Hunt exists. Um, that's fine, but he's not take, he's not going to take significant carries from Chubb. He will take the targets, but you aren't buying Chubb for the targets. He had 50 last year. You probably might see 30 this year. I'm not concerned about that. Still, I mean, the way St- – and, and uh, at Jay Moyer on Twitter talked about this, but the moves that Stefanski and, and co. made uh, and with, I guess, his small history, Stefan Kefanski's Kevin Stefanski's um, small background, he has done a, a lot of running the ball. Um, of course, that could be attributed to – Gary Kubiak as well in Minnesota. Beyond the point, I still expect Nick Chubb to have 300 carries. 
and he is or near 300 carries and he's so efficient with those carries five plus yards per carry um again this year could very well lead the nfl in rushing and last year he actually didn't he had eight touchdowns on the ground but the i guess the mean or or the expected was 12 so you very easily could see more touchdowns from him uh not only from a standpoint that his efficient efficiency should go up but because hopefully that offense will be better and will give them more uh chances in the red zone to run the ball in um so i i mean that's kind of i'm okay i i love nick chubb as as my rb1 i have him in a lot of places um the next one here is a guy you've heard me talk about a lot, but it's Austin Eckler. They didn't really, the, the, the chargers, the only move that they quote unquote made this off season that had any direct effect on Eckler was not signing uh, Melvin Gordon. And sure. They got Joshua Kelly or they, they uh, drafted Joshua Kelly in the third, but I don't even expect him to beat out, um, Justin Jackson for that RB2 role. I think Justin Jackson's actually fairly underrated at this point, but Eckler had over a thousand targets last season. Um, he's probably going to get over 200 carries this season because I don't, I mean, he is the RB1 there and I don't see anybody really stealing touches from him. So 200 plus carries. I don't know if he'll get a hundred plus targets again, but 80 plus targets again, uh, uh, Absolutely. So I expect him to be a top 10. And honestly, I think he'll be a top five running back in 2020. Um, a lot of people will say Tyrod Taylor doesn't throw to the running back, but I don't think he's had an offense that has thrown through the running back. Um, an offense that throws more. I mean, obviously Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor was in Buffalo where they didn't throw the ball that much. He had LaShawn McCoy there, but it was on like the downhill side of LaShawn McCoy's career. So, I mean, Austin Eckler arguably is the best running back at this point in time in his, in Tyrod Taylor's career that he's ever had. Um, so I, I, I really like Austin Eckler and I've been, I've been getting him in the second round because that's how much I like him and the way I draft. Third is Chris, the one and only electric playmaker. Yes. The one and only Chris Carson. We don't get to say that nearly And we should be later. saying it all the time. Because let's Probably look true. at his situation. Rashad Penny's on the pup. I mean, I'm going to throw it to Ethan here in a second about Rashad Penny in, in that ACL, but – Adrian Peterson's don't grow on trees, man. Like they don't Adrian what Adrian Peterson tore his ACL in week 17 and he came back and run for ran for over 2000 yards the next season. That's like the most freakish thing ever. And while while ACL injuries are getting easier to come back from, you can't expect a Rashad Penny to come back and be anywhere close to who he was before the injury right away. And I don't even know when he will start playing. They got Dallas. Um, I don't even care what his full name name is. They saw or they they drafted Dallas something or other. Who cares? <laughs> DJ. Whatever. Spelled out. It's DJ spelled Dallas. Out. DJ Dallas. There you go. Yeah, he he spelled it out for some like D E E J A Y. Yeah, That'd like a mean, like man. a freaking homeschooled kid. <laughs> um, they should they signed Carlos Hyde. Whoop de doo, Basil. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's no, I mean, 
if you can <laughs> sit here and seriously tell me that there's anybody on that team that's taking touches away from Chris Carson, I'm a, I, well, you can't, you can't do that. I'm not going to take you seriously either way. When you go, Chris Carson's going to get to no, oh, no, he's not shut up. He's going to get near 300 carries again, probably another 50 plus target season going super late, like super late, still pretty young. I, 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 I guess I there's some ADPs this year that I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, why is that guy falling so far? And Chris Carson's one of them. Um, but I'll, I'll let in, uh, Ethan in here. There's not really anything to see from Rashad Penny this season, right? No, the problem is, and and you you made a uh, you made a good point about Adrian Peterson being uh, this is a total outlier. I've said that basically all the time. So I'm not surprised that stuck with you. But the thing with Penny is that there was, it wasn't just an ACL injury. They've said multiple times they've come out and basically said it was worse than what we thought when we got in there. It wasn't just as ACL as something else. So instead of like that nine month period where you're hoping they come back, you're probably looking closer at like 10 or 11. So while he is starting on the, um, the active PUP, which basically means that he can come off of that at any time, more than likely he's going to start, he's going to get shifted over to the reserve PUP, which means that he's going to miss essentially the first six games for sure. Um, and potentially even longer. Um, once they get onto that list, they can basically stash these guys, um, on PUP and then bring them back to practice. I mean, it could be, you know, week 14 or 15 before you actually see Rashad Penny getting touches. I don't know if they'll wait that long, but it does seem like they're not expecting him to be available at the, at the beginning of the year at a minimum. Yeah, so it's it's just one of those things where there's nobody there that will realistically take touches from Chris Carson. So, I mean, we saw him what he did last year. We saw what he did the year previous. So I don't I don't know why why people are not picking him. Or I mean, he and and if you look at DLF um, startup ADP, he's going way late for an RB one on a run heavy team. So. that's one where I'm getting Chris Carson as my RB three. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you got it, buddy. Um, so go, go get Chris Carson right now. Um, number four, Philip Lindsay. I I've, I've been kind of hitting, uh, hitting that a little bit throughout the off season, but I'm really kind of trying to hammer it home right now. I, I, I don't know what everybody expects from the Broncos backfield, but, Melvin Gordon isn't just going to come in and take 250, 300 carries and, and, and 70 targets. It's just not how it's going to work. Um, we've seen this offense. They, they've basically, they've been trying to find an RB two for a while. Unfortunately, Royce Freeman didn't work out, but now you have a great one, two punch with Melvin Gordon, who can be a workhorse and is a good pass catcher and Philip Lindsay, who, is efficient with smaller amounts of touches. I and I liken him to Alvin Kamara, a a probably a poor person's Alvin Kamara. But basically, I I mean, I expect him to get 100, 150 carries, 50 plus targets, and he's going in like as the RB 40 some odd in in, in startups. Philip, I mean, you can't just write Philip Lindsay off after two back to back 1,000 yard se- seasons as an undrafted free agent. So. I think Philip Lindsay is a good RB five, RB four, RB five on any of these teams, and will be a good fill in and and can be efficient um, with minimal touches. Uh, five, James Connor again. 
people see these moves. Benny Snell wasn't anything last year. They got Anthony McFarland, who is mediocre at best. I mean, who else? I, uh, who's the pass catcher? I just forgot his name. Jalen yeah, Samuels. Jalen Samuels like, did fine last year, but James Conner is Le'Veon Bell-esque in terms of what he can produce when he's healthy. Unfortunately, he just is only healthy for 12, 13 games out of the season. So that I think that's why he's going way late. But if anybody's scared off of him because of what's behind James Conner, I wouldn't be at all because none of those guys are as talented as James Conner. None of those guys really even come close to showing any or, or being equal to what James Conner can do, both running and catching the ball. Uh, Jalen Samuels is probably a better pass catcher, not a good runner. But, I mean, James Conner is the all-around package, and if they're looking to compete again this year, if Ben is healthy, James Conner is going to get a significant amount of touches, like approaching 300 touches again this season. So, uh, And he's going way later f- than he should be for an RB1. And finally, another uh, another RB1 on this list, then the last RB1 on this list, Jordan Howard the RB one for the uh, Miami dolphins no. going to be a one, one and first and second down thumper. And then the, uh, the red red zone in it or the end zone guy. So, I mean, <laughs> give me 900, give me 900 yards and eight touchdowns and God damn, you got, a RB, yards. you got a, you got an RB two right there. Ugh. I mean, half of both of those numbers, like that's what you're, that's what you're getting. No, no, it's not, that's because you think, so for some reason, Matt Braid is going to be healthy and 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 garner yeah. the majority of the touches, which is batshit insane. I, yeah, Matt Braid is. I mean, he's he's an overall just better football player all around. Oh, is he? He, he for sure is. But okay. I mean, you also have you know you you still have pretty significant weapons in that passing game, and you know a, a I mean at least a somewhat mobile quarterback, right? Like. I, I'm I'm telling you right now, he's going to get over 200 carries. He's going to get over. He's going to get 900 plus yards and eight touchdowns. Man, that's a that, that's a, that's not a good stat line for the Miami Dolphins. If Jordan Howard is getting that much work, uh, you're you're in you're in big trouble. Oh oh, and Matt Breda getting that much work is better. Oh yeah, get out of here, Matt Breda. <laughs> you you're gonna just like. I apologize to everyone listening to that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh, that was an interesting sound. Um, <laughs> that was aggressive. Yeah, but that's kind of Stompy's mo, so I'm not really that upset about yeah, it. Yeah, especially now that he's back out of the Bible Belt and he's he's been uh, he's been possessed. Apparently, I, listen. I there were times where I had to hold myself from like exploding in a grocery store because I was like, <laughs> "Are you kidding me?" At this point, when there's 150,000 plus people dead, you're not wearing a mask. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Ethan, clear this up. Who's who's the RB1 in Miami? I think it's Jordan Howard. <laughs> like, I'm, oh sorry. My God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. I mean, I'm outnumbered. I mean, so what am is, I supposed is, to do? Well, but... I, mean, I guess is, is does Ryan Fitzpatrick count? Because didn't he lead them in rushing last year? Like he could do that again potentially. I mean, uh, to me, uh, here's the thing with Jordan Howard, and like you can hate Jordan Howard as a player, as uh, you you don't have to like his talent. Mm-hmm. 
Jordan Howard is like one of those dudes that just like continuously just he just gets the ball a ton and he produces off of it. Like you don't have to like it, but like at that at the stage of the draft where you're drafting Jordan Howard, who are you taking? Like Matt Breda. I mean, are you though? Like I I am. (laughs) I mean, to me, I just feel like if you're gonna take a shot on a guy, like we've seen Jordan Howard be competent as a, a between the tackles grinder for the last like four seasons. Like you can't ignore that. He was, I mean, he kept miles Sanders basically off. I mean, not off the field, but essentially relegated to a timeshare for half of last year. So, I mean, to me, I, I don't if, get them both. I don't care. You're spending like a 14th and 15th rounder on them and redraft, like pick them both up. Who gives a crap? You're not paying anything for them. So yeah, we did, we did diminish one. both of our sleeper running backs. Like, likes one. No, like listen, the I, I mean, I pick them both. If you want make, make fun one of them, of them is Jordan Howard, but I, I mean, the guy is I, by the end of the season, Matt Breda or Jordan Howard will probably have like twice as many fantasy points as Matt Breda. Twice as many as I the, just said that the, yeah, far, the far more dynamic player is here's have. the thing neither one of those dudes is worse than Kalen Balage. So as long as you don't take Kalen Balage, you're good. You're good. Fair enough. That's pretty true. Patrick Laird, maybe he yeah, no, nope, nope, nope. He's gonna nope. cannibalize somebody. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. All right. Uh, fair, nope. fair enough. So, I mean, just a just a, a sneak peek at, at what's to come on this episode. Uh, I'm going to go through what I feel like you guys got right and what I feel like you guys got wrong. I'm going to skip over that one just because, I, I mean, my my feelings on this are all too well known at this point. I, I just have no use for Jordan Howard. But, um, yeah, so I, I we're, we're going to get to something with a, a little bit more uh, discussion to be had uh, when it comes to those guys. But for the moment though, let's move on to Ethan with your top six running backs. So I was literally concerned for probably the first five minutes of Stompy talking that he had somehow stolen my list, even though we're (laughs) not using the same document. Uh, I also have Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler as my first two guys. And I had Chris Carson on the, on the dock as the third guy. And I was like, Oh my God, John freaking Stompy is stealing he's like in my computer right now, just stealing my stuff and I'm not happy about it. So I'm not going to talk too much on Chubb and Eckler. I think, I think Stompy did a pretty good job with those two Uh, opportunity for Chubb is going to be massive just out. And he's supremely talented. And we don't, we say Kareem hunt, like we know that Kareem hunt's going to be on that team the entire year. There is a very, you know, reasonable likelihood that somebody is going to be willing to trade for Kareem hunt. And, we don't know. Maybe that's week four or five. You know, we're going to see COVID affect teams differently. Some teams might have their entire running back uh, depth just completely obliterated by COVID f- during, you know, right before the trade deadline. They might decide that it's worth a third round pick or a second round pick for a guy like Kareem Hunt. We don't know what's going to happen. So that's why I like Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler. He's already done it. Um, he was the RB4 last year in PPR. He's going to probably be up there from an opportunity standpoint again this year just don't see any reason why you shouldn't like austin eckler of of all the running backs that you can get in the second round he's the cheapest one you can sometimes get him in the third and i think he has just as good a shot as any of the top 12 guys to end up as a top three or four running back uh, especially in ppr so that i mean that just makes a lot of sense 
Um, I took Chris Carson off the list because I wanted to put Leonard Fournette on the list. We're talking about this year only. Uh, to me, Leonard Fournette is it's, it's kind of a I, – I don't understand why his value keeps falling. He just had – he's coming off his best season. Nothing really changed for him. I mean, he doesn't uh, – Chris Thompson is not going to be a thing. Uh, Ryquel Armstead is on the COVID list, but he's also not going to be a thing. I just don't see who else is there. Who else is there? He's playing for a contract right now, so he has incentive to to play and to play very effectively. Uh, you know, maybe he doesn't get a hundred targets. Who gives a crap if he gets seventy or eighty targets? He's still going to give you two hundred fifty rush attempts and that many targets. There's no way he doesn't end up as an RB one if he plays the entire year. Stop complaining about oh well, he's due for regression from a target perspective. Who cares? Nobody else is taking targets from him. Nobody, 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 except for maybe one of my wide receivers, but we'll get to that. Uh, my fourth guy here, and I, I thought this was super interesting. Again, Stompy and I are like on a really weird same wavelength here today, and that freaks me out a little bit because he's yelling and I'm pretty chill today. Uh, but I actually have Melvin Gordon. So you can have nice things, but you can have them both. Philip Lindsay is basically free right now. Uh, Melvin Gordon is a you know, fourth round pick right now in most of the leagues that I'm seeing, maybe third, late mid to late third. That's fine. I'm cool with that price. And here's the thing. Everyone's talking about like, well, how could you say Melvin Gordon? If Stompy just said, made a great argument for Philip Lindsay, dude, we saw this for the last two years. We've seen Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay both be reasonable running backs. Lindsay has a yeah. better opportunity as the Royce f- reasonable. I said from an opportunity no, perspective, not I'm not Royce saying Royce Freeman is good. No, no, no. From an opportunity perspective, mm-hmm. they have had, he had the opportunity. It's not my fault. He's not very good. So since you, I'm not, wait, I'm not done yet. I'm, let me finish. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt you at some point, but let me know let when me I finish. Can. Okay. Okay. Dompey made a great point in that Philip Lindsay can be highly effective with limited touches. He doesn't need to be the bell cow to be effective. Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay can both be highly productive from an opportunity and production standpoint. Melvin Gordon might be, you know, 60, 40. That's okay. Get, get them both. Royce Freeman had 50 freaking targets last year. Yeah. Give 50. That's more than Philip Lindsay had. And he was supposed to be this horrible RB too. He's still got 50 targets. Okay. So you're looking at potentially 50 targets for both of those guys. So right there, you have a a perfectly fine PPR floor. Mm -hmm. Freeman had, I think he, I think Freeman had 130 rush attempts the last 130 and 132 rush attempts. Okay. Let's say I think Lindsay probably deserves a little bit more than that. Let's say we bump it up to 160, 160 rush attempts and 50 targets. That is RB two level volume on a team that should be better offensively. That should be scoring more points. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're giving it 60, 40 or 55, 45, both these dudes can be productive and both of them are a value right now. You know, I just don't see why you wouldn't, this is a stack. Once again, what is it? It costs you nothing to stack these two and lock in. If one of them gets hurt, the other one's going to blow up. We just know that that's going to be the case. They've both shown that they can be effective. I like Lindsay actually better as, you know, age not, I won't say change of pace because that implies a workload that is sub fantasy level value of, and you're just hoping that he does something great with limited touches. 
<laughs> as a backfield committee, I think both of these dudes are going to have pretty consistent value across the board. And they're going for basically pennies from a running back value perspective. Um, so, so um, the, uh, that, that's where I want to interrupt you on this is, I mean, I think you're the person to ask on this, um, you know, talking about stacking running backs. I mean, the, does it, does it concern you at all about, you know, in a, in a very, in a COVID driven year, essentially, uh, having, um, you know, the, the, the handcuff, the, you know, the, the committee, whatever it is, uh, for the same, you know, for the same running back group, the same team, the same NFL team where these guys are going to be quarantined together where, so to where you have to think that if one of them does contract the coronavirus, it's probably spreading through that entire running back room, right? I mean, yeah, potentially, but there's not really much. We can't control what's going to happen with these guys. It's just like, but you can you can kind of hedge against that though, right? So avoiding an NFL team's depth chart. I mean, yeah, but do you do that to the point where you just uh, are you just avoiding? Here's the thing: in fantasy this year, Mm -hmm. you're going to be taking your RB four and five are not going to be like probably starting running backs. It's just a fact of life. You're not going to find to me, at least I don't think you're going to find a value like what you're going to find with Philip Lindsay mm-hmm. at the opportunity that he's already probably locked into just from a pure committee yeah. perspective, even if, you know, and Snoppy and I can disagree on who's the main guy and how much who, it's these two dudes. It's these two dudes, and no, it's Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon will lead the backfield. I don't dispute that. I think it's more that the the arrival of Melvin Gordon. You see, I mean, Philip Lindsay's startup ADP is in the. He's like RB forty four. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing after two one thousand yard seasons. This is like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like Jordan Howard for me. It Jordan Howard has been, I mean, except for Philip Lindsay, is a better running back all around than Jordan Howard. Um, so it's just one of those things where I'm like, wait, but, do you think he just disappears? Right. Which, which, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a fair point. I guess my question though is, and, and uh, I mean, I think this is to both of you because I think this is something that people are, are really concerned about right now and really curious about. So you already drafted Melvin Gordon and now you're in that range where, you know, you're, you're looking at Philip Lindsay and you're looking at Jordan Howard. Do you, even though, you know, you guys, you guys are saying that Philip Lindsay is the better back for fantasy purposes. Does the fact that you already have Melvin Gordon and, you know, if, if he gets sick, Philip Lindsay likely gets sick. Like that's, that's kind of the concern. So does that push you off of Lindsay? Does that push you away from that Broncos stack and, and you take Jordan Howard instead just to diversify, you know, to make sure that you've got somebody who's healthy in case it does start spreading through, you know, one NFL team's running back depth chart. I mean, no, no, I, I don't. I mean, I see what you're saying. I see the point of like trying to pick players that maybe aren't on the same team or in the same offense because Mm -hmm. you're worried about, having that you know if what we see with like what's happened in the mlb which i think is probably the best example because they're not in a bubble they're not you know they are traveling from from place to place and it's the closest thing we have i guess in sports right now 
yeah. teams are getting it as a group. It's coming in a big cluster. You know, one guy gets it, then three guys get, then you know, ten guys get, have it. In football, it's probably one, five, twelve, twenty guys plus that end up testing positive at one time. Bigger teams, more interaction. It's just it's a higher risk sport. I am not hedging my bet in that regard outside of like I'm probably not taking Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I'm not I'm not spending, you know, two top 10 of my of my 10 first picks. They're probably all going to be from different offenses. Mm-hmm. Once you get to the level where you're taking a Philip Lindsay, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, even, you know, that round range, I'm not really worried about it as much. Those guys are probably going to have to play for you at some point. Philip Lindsay <laughs> I'm much happier starting him as like a, a desperation flex RB two, RB three RB two week to week, knowing that I have that and assuming the risk that, you know what, like if, if the Broncos get hit, maybe they're both out. That's mm-hmm. okay. Like I would rather know that I took the player that I feel like gives, gives me the most advantage per cost um, at that stage of the draft. But like, if you're talking about two guys that are, you know, like I'm not drafting Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt because mm-hmm. to me, you're spending, you know, basically two of your top seven picks on a team that could potentially lose both those guys. That doesn't make sense to me. But as far yeah. as like your whole draft, I feel like you're overthinking it a bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the thing for me with that is I because I have zero control of COVID much like we have zero control of injuries, but there are people or guys that you avoid because of injuries, right? Or you'll mm-hmm. take them much later than they would they sh- they are going because of injuries. A sprained ankle but, isn't contagious, though. No, and that well, and that's what I'm saying though is I can't control what happens with COVID, so mm-hmm. I'm just gonna play this like any other season because this is such. I mean, we all know that there's luck involved in fantasy football, but mm-hmm. I think especially this year, luck will be very involved in fantasy football that the players on your teams don't get sick. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where it's like, it's going to be luck anyway. I I understand trying to figure out how to avoid it, but I, I just, at this point, I don't think COVID is really an avoidable thing. Like, if if you get lucky and nobody or very few players get sick on your team, you you're probably going to win, and that's just how it's going to go in most leagues this year. Yeah, I, I I I agree with that, and you know, to take it a step further, I think that the 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 bottom line is, the, I mean, fantasy football leagues are are kind of one on the waivers, anyways. This year in particular, though, like you're you're where you're really going to. Uh, where, where you're really going to create an advantage, particularly at the running back position, is you know being a step ahead on the running back. So it kind of doesn't matter necessarily who you come out of the draft with. Um, you know, it's it, it's going to be your ability to keep up with it and maybe even stay a step ahead. So you, you're it's going to take a lot of running backs just to get through this season, anyways. So yeah, I I, I think that it's. I wouldn't want to stack a bunch of running back depth charts, um, but I think that, you know, one or two is probably fine. If you've got, you know, if you're going to roster something like eight running backs, I think it's probably fine. So 
Um, anyways, I, like, I, like I said, I felt like that's an important discussion that people are kind of dealing with right now. Uh, we got the doctor here, so it felt like a good time to get his, his take on it. But, um, Ethan, we can uh, finish up your running backs here. Yeah. So I got two guys left here. Um, number five, I've got Jonathan Taylor. Um, again, I'm looking for studs that are not at the same price. Um, the argument right now against Taylor is Marlon Mack. I'm sorry. I don't need know who needs to hear this, but like Marlon Mack is not in the same stratosphere as Jonathan Taylor as a runner. Uh, I think it's going to be, if it's not, maybe a week or two, and that's all it's going to take for this team to realize like, Oh, Jonathan Taylor is just a much better running back than Marlon Mack. I don't even know if it'll take that long. Uh, to me, Taylor is, he's just a special dude and he's, he's going to make this team better and they're going to realize it pretty quickly. Uh, if they don't already, which I'm sure they probably do. Uh, my last guy here, uh, Darius guys, uh, I have players, even though I am the injury guy and you might be looking at that and saying, uh, dude, do you know what's going on with Darius guys? He hasn't been healthy since he got into the league. I know I get it. I'm sorry. Like there are some dudes that I won't quit because the price is the risk is based into the price. And so I have a wide receiver this way too, but for Darius guys, you're paying, I mean, pennies for what could potentially be, you know, a team's stud running back. And he looks to be completely healthy. I expect him to this to be the healthiest season that he has had uh, since entering the league. I can't control the injury risk. It's there. I'm not going to ignore it. But had this guy been healthy all of last season, I think you would have been having to take him in probably the third or fourth round. And he's going in the seventh or eighth round uh, in, in redraft right now. To me, that is... If you're, especially if you're going wide receiver early, which I don't recommend, but if you're taking more wide receivers than the average, because you're we were trying to bank on that value, Darius Geis is a guy that I'm trying to make sure I get on my team at that point, because he he is, while the the risk is certainly there, the reward is you get you know a stud running back. I mean, we were talking about Darius Geis as like the clear guy behind Saquon Barkley. That was just two years ago. Darius Geis was one of the youngest running backs in that class. He's still plenty young to be able to come back and have a very highly productive uh, uh, season this year. You know, he's been in the system. He knows. You know, I think they know, or I think he has something to prove right now this year that like, no, this was not a mistake. Like I am a stud. I can do this. Um, I can be a three down running back. And I think that they're going to use him in a, at least some type of capacity that provides him enough opportunity to show that he is that level of talent. So I'm not giving up on Darius guys. This is my last year. This is like fool me once shame on you Fool me twice. Shame on you again, but if you fool me three times, then I'm totally out. But this is it. I'm I'm doubling down on Darius guys this year. Nice. I'm actually I'm actually with you on this. Um, yeah, where his ADP is at right now, like it's hard with the talent that he had coming out of college. It's just one of those things where it's like I got to take this risk because if he hits and becomes that guy that we thought he was going to be coming out of school then you're getting a huge, I mean, you're getting RB one at like RB. I, where I don't know where he's going in ADP, but I mean, his ADP at, at a very depressed ADP is the point. So I, the, it's gotten to a point where it's like the risk, 
the the reward far outweighs the risk, and and you should definitely pull the trigger on Darius guys. Uh, just for reference, it looks like um, guys currently going as the RB thirty. Uh, just after Kareem Hunt and before Ronald Jones, kind of in that range. And then I'll be darned, look at there, 32, Jordan Howard. So, uh, you know, the, the I to me, I think Darius Geis is probably the last guy in that tier before it takes a huge drop. Because after Jordan Howard, Sonny Michelle, Marlon Mack, J.K. Dobbins, I mean, I like Dobbins, but I don't expect him to immediately start. Uh, Tevin Coleman, on Johnson, I mean, you're, you're kind of running out of, I mean, I guess Philip Lindsay, but you're running out of dudes that could be three down workhorses. Um, and, and I just feel like, guys, is that's this is bottom of the barrel price, and so it's worth it. Are, are you guys taking guys – because of the value and because of the risk reward, or are you taking him because you actually believe he's going to produce? Cause I think there's kind of two different, two different things there. I I'm taking him because of the risk reward. I, yeah, I, I, I do. I think that who's going to produce better him or Jordan Howard. So I, I'd take I Darius guys pretty handily, but I would say Darius guys, if he's healthy, obviously, but I just like, that's my thing is, okay. I'm not relying like where I would be picking him. He'd be like my RB four. And yeah. at that point, I already have three RBs ahead of him that I can start week in week out. So I don't, if he hits fantastic, that means I have at least, at least a very valuable trading chip, but if he gets injured, it doesn't debilitate me at any point. So that, I mean, I guess that's why I, I, I don't, I'm not going in expecting him to produce, mm-hmm. but the risk reward, the, the reward to risk ratio is just too great for me not to take that chance. So you would, you would take him over Jordan Howard. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> not, not a, not a ringing endorsement. In my opinion, but um, I mean, we'll we'll take it. Uh, we need to uh, to get to wide receivers, anyways. Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet, and MKF is giving you free money and free dynasty football content with your initial deposit. Are you ready to rumble? Open a new account with a minimum ten dollar deposit to MKF, and you'll receive a free DynastyLeagueFootball.com annual premium membership. This offer is also good to extend your current DLF annual membership by one year. Monkey Knife Fight will also match your initial deposit amount, doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of $50. Featuring football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, and more, you'll find plenty of entertaining contest options even in these uncertain times. Monkey Knife Fight provides DFS games with no salary caps, so if you correctly predict the outcome, you're guaranteed to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals to prevent you from claiming your prize. At MKF, you will not get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate other fantasy sites. So check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience, claim your deposit match, and your free DynastyLeagueFootball.com premium membership, all at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. 
Um, all right. So I, again, kind of treated it. Well, I treated this one a bit differently. These are guys that you're most often going to find on my roster. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if anybody's listened and listened to me, they know that I go RB heavy early. Um, so I really, in my first six picks, I'll probably take three RBs and three QBs. So that's how I kind of draft at this point. So most of the wide receivers I'm getting are in the seventh, eighth, ninth round, but a lot of value in Superflex right now at wide receivers. So uh, number one, because of my belief in Drew Locke, I like stacking him with Cortland Sutton this year. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a, an extremely valuable stack because I'm of the belief that Drew Locke is going to get somewhere around 550 passing attempts. Um, and that's based off of what we've seen from Pat Shermer before um, in terms of his his uh, passing attempts and quarterbacks. I believe since, since he was fired as head coach of the Cleveland Browns, he's been the OC in Philadelphia and Minnesota, and then he went to uh, obviously the Giants as a head coach. And the lowest number of passing attempts was 508 in a season. And I believe there were three seasons where he had over 600 passing attempts from his quarterback. So the, I understand he's a second year lock is a second year um, quarterback, but this offense, I mean, if you look at the moves they made, they made these moves to have a more explosive offense. I mean, you have KJ Hamler who ran a four, three, one 40. I can't remember his 40 time, but he, I mean, super fast. Jerry Judy was around a three low three fours. Um, and he'll be playing in the slot. I mean, they have Noah Fant in as a second year tight end, basically uncoverable. Um, he just needs to work on his hands. Uh, I mean, I don't think Albert Ogwegbenum is going to be much, but he is a super freak athlete too. And then you have, we already talked about Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, who, or no, I mean, Phil Lindsay's stupid fast. Melvin Gordon's no slouch in terms of speed. So the amount of speed that this team has, I th- I personally think they could be a top five offense. Now, <laughs> with that, you need to understand that I am a Broncos fan, so I'm probably a, a bit biased at this point for them. But I just – that's how I see this offense going. I think they want to open up the playbook with Drew Locke. They have the, the weapons now to do it because – they can throw it deep or they'll throw it deep downfield to uh, speedy targets. So with that, I, I like, I like stacking. I actually have a few, a couple stacks where I'd lock um, Sutton and Fant and Sutton. And, and a lot of times I can get KJ Hamler too. I just believe in this offense a lot this year. So I like that stack. So Sutton of like the earlier round guys is, is the one that I would be getting most on my teams. I believe I've in, in the past, few weeks I've drafted him a handful of times. Um, Robert Woods, Bobby Forrest, Bobby Trees, Rob, whatever you want to call him, uh, whatever, whatever other nicknames. But I, it, it seems like he's really popular at this point, but his ADP doesn't really indicate it, which is weird to me. He is the wide receiver one on the Rams. I, I People are going to argue Cooper Cup. It's not Cooper Cup. Get out of here. Outside of 11 personnel, Cooper Cup is not good. He is not, he's not good outside of the slot. Um, so in, in their 11 personnel, uh, especially in the second half of the season, 
they weren't playing out of the 11 personnel a whole lot. Um, a lot of it had to do with cooks being down, but uh, Robert Woods, he was what uh, wide receiver 17, something like that last year. And he only had two touchdowns. So, I mean, wide you're getting a wide receiver one that's on a pretty good offense um, that late. And that's kind of crazy to me. Um, I actually posted a tweet about Tyler Boyd, this net, my next guy, his ADP, according to DLF um, was wide, wide receiver 32. He's finished inside the top 18 in each of the last two seasons. He, and, and I understand this is more of an opinion than anything. Cause we haven't seen it, but I, I, I have to believe just based off of the talent that Joe Burrow is at least the equal of Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley in his rookie season that they were last year. Um, I mean, he, he threw for 60 touchdowns over 5,000 yards. He won the Heisman. I, I just, I, I can't believe that he's not bet, better than Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley, but at the very worst, at the very least, he is Andy Dalton level in terms of a passing ability as rookie season. So, I mean, we know that Boyd had over a thousand yards last season. He had a thousand yards with AJ green for most of the season in 2018. So, I mean, I, I, I guess I don't know why he's going so late. He's still only 25 years old and he's getting going into a better offense. People will say, well, targets. Yeah. But he played better with AJ green on the field in 2018 than without. Um, so it, it's just one of those things where it's like, it, that is one of the ADPs that doesn't make any semblance of sense to me. The guy's going ahead of him. Debo, um, I, I should get, I should, to answer my own goddamn questions. I should probably get the ADP up. Um, but I mean, there's just a lot of wide receivers going earlier than, uh, than Tyler Boyd that just don't make sense. Um, so I, I just, Tyler Boyd is one of the, probably the biggest values at wide receiver right now. Um, and for some reason DLF is not working. So that's cool. Um, my next uh, is Michael Gallup. Again, another guy who has the targets thing going against him. Um, CD lamb, obviously a fantastic wide receiver coming out of college. Uh, but Michael Gallup broke out last year and he's kind of the deep threat on that team now. So he doesn't need to be necessarily efficient. He just needs to catch 60 balls at 15 yards a pop to make a difference. And I believe he and Amari Cooper were virtually tied at the end of season in terms of points per game, fantasy points per game, but he's going so much later um, than the other two than CD lamb and, um, Amari Cooper that like, it's kind of crazy. Like he's the one Dallas wide receiver. I feel best about in terms of where they're going in their production profile, where, where they're going. Um, sorry, I just pulled up the ADP Debo Samuel, Devonte Parker, Jalen Rager. I Marquise Brown are all going ahead of Tyler Boyd. Jerry Judy. I, that doesn't make sense to me. I listen, I like Jerry Judy and, and some of these rookies, but no way they should be, they be going above a 25-year-old 20, who's put up two 1,000-yard two seasons back-to-back here. Anyway, uh, Michael Gallup, by the way, is going wide receiver 34. 
So, I mean, he he very easily could be in for another thousand yard season. I just don't know what you really expect from CD Lamb in his rookie season. Um, five is Brandon Cooks. This seems to be a debate that doesn't make sense to me. Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks? I mean, Brandon Cooks has missed two games since his rookie season. Last and that was last year. Yes, I understand the concussions. And and this is a violent game, so those very easily can happen. But like, which one is going to happen? Which one has a higher chance of happening? Will Fuller tearing another hamstring or doing something to his hamstring and missing a few games, or Brandon Cooks, um, and his and his concussion? I I for I am on the side of it's going to be the hamstring. Um. So I, I just I even if. Cooks only plays 12, 14 games. He's still the wide receiver one on that team. I don't know why Will Fuller – people think it's Will Fuller. It's Brandon Cooks. And we know that Deshaun Watson takes deep threats. We know that often – or uh, takes deep shots. We know that offense takes deep shots. Brandon Cooks, that's kind of been his specialty. And he probably hasn't been used properly because you get the ball in his hands and just get him to run, and he's great. So – I think he's just going severely underrated because of what happened last year. Um, but he's a wide receiver one on a, on a Texans team that lost their number one wide receiver and are going to look to fill that. And I think that's Brandon cooks. I, I don't think he gets 140 targets, but 120 and a thousand yards is what Brandon cooks does. Um, and then finally this was, I couldn't choose here, but it's, one of these three, and it's Preston Williams, Paris Campbell, and Curtis Samuel. So I, I've talked a lot this offseason about uh, second-year breakouts, wide receivers. We know uh, Peter Howard does a lot of uh, statistical-based stuff with breakouts, and he has shown that when breakouts occur, they the m- most times they occur is in the second season or the highest percentage is in the second season and the, and the second highest is in the third season. Preston Williams showed flashes last season of being a potential wide receiver one for that offense. Um, he was fantastic his rookie season, despite I believe he was an undrafted free agent. Was that right, John? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. So, uh, and the only reason he was really an undrafted free agent was because of some off field stuff. Um, but he was elite in at least his last year in college and all. And and then he flashed in the first eight or nine games and went down with the ACL. Um, We already heard Ethan talk about like how long it generally takes to get the ACL under control or, or get back to pre ACL um, health. But so Preston Williams is, more likely going to be able to produce in his second season than say a Rashad Penny because of when the injury occurred. Um, but we saw uh, Cooper cup come back and have a fantastic season after his, or I guess the start of a season after he tore his ACL as well. So I, I just, I, I think Preston Williams is pretty underrated and <laughs> uh, that, that team is going to, well, it, it'll be sneaky good. I think, I mean, the dolphins look to be kind of sneaky good at this point, right? Cause that offense isn't terrible. That defense got a lot better this off season. So they could get a handful of wins here 
but I still think they're going to be throwing a, a significant amount. And I think that amounts to Preston Williams getting a, a significant amount of targets and building off of his rookie season. Uh, Paris Campbell, same kind of issue, but injuries just derailed his entire season, but get the ball in that dude's hands and he's going to, he's going to light the world on fire. I mean, that's probably hyperbolic, but T Y Hilton's already dealing with injuries. I, I think he had a, he tweaked a hamstring in an off season workout and he's already dealing with that. He's getting older. Um, Cortland or, or sorry, Cortland. I just read Cortland son, uh, Philip rivers. Uh, and it, and it really depends on what side you of the, uh, of the, argument of it's the quarterback system or it's the coach's system, but Phillip rivers, we know throws to the slot receiver a ton. I mean, Keenan Allen over the past few seasons has been one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. So Paris Campbell's probably going to play a significant amount in the slot. Uh, so I, I, I think Paris Campbell is going to have a pretty huge leap. A DJ, maybe not DJ shark in terms of level, but a DJ shark S going from, zero to fantasy relevant uh this year so he's a he's a guy late that i like and then the post the post post hype sleeper curtis samuel at some point maybe we'll get this right uh tyler lockett what took five years Devonte parker took five years curtis samuel's going to take four here but um i've talked about this before joe brady going to uh carolina from lsu leading lsu to that uh national title and um you saw what Justin Jefferson did from the slot. Uh, Joe Brady uh, was uh, was the uh, passing game coordinator for LSU, by the way. So you saw what Justin Jefferson did from the slot. I think Curtis Samuel goes back to a more natural position in the slot where he's going to get 45, 50% of his, t- um, his snaps from the slot. Uh, I know that this doesn't necessarily correlate, but he was ninth in terms of air yards last season. So it, it, that just – but but he was like the wide receiver 60 something and that, and that just tells you how bad those those QBs were. I mean Teddy Bridgewater I, I think is obviously a step up um and it looks like it should be a fast offense and that defense is abysmal so they're going to be thrown a lot. So I think Curtis Samuel finally breaks out in year 4. I get one of those guys on every one of my teams or maybe two. So yeah, you still cheated but um if Don't I was care. Gonna, if I was gonna, if, care. yeah yeah all right so uh pick one one of those three who's who's your guy for 2020 for 2020 to... for 2020 it's Curtis Samuel okay so you got that one wrong perfect um, <laughs> <laughs> Ethan you're up let's hear your wide receivers yeah, so uh, definitely have some different opinions, um, but different guys, um, similar tiers. I thought it was funny you were you were naming guys, and I was like, I was like looking at the ADP while you went, and literally some of these dudes are right next to each other, like literally one guy and then the other. So these are decisions that you're gonna have to make. Uh, we'll see who convinces people more. I'm not gonna yell as much as Stompy does, but uh, <laughs> my first guy here is Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay is a guy that I find. Um, being my wide receiver one in most leagues because I'm getting him in the fourth round because running backs are going so early right now. Um, Kenny G is a stud. He is, he is a quantifiable stud. Uh, everything about him screams stud and that is, it doesn't change. I mean, he, with Matt Stafford, he is, I mean, he's elite. 
And I think I, I looked it up seven of the first nine games with Stafford as his quarterback. He had over a hundred yards or a touchdown. I mean, that's just, if he keeps that pace, he was already, he already, he had 11 touchdowns last year. He could potentially be one of those wide receivers that 14, 15 touchdowns is not like outside of the realm of possibility. If Stafford stays healthy the entire year, uh, and that's not it. That's that's ignoring the fact that he's putting up monster yardage games as well. I mean, 117, 121, 123, 132. Those were all with Stafford in the first nine games. That's four games uh, over 115 yards. Um, and then with garbage quarterbacks, he still put up 158 yards and a touchdown later in the second half of the year. So, I mean, he can do it. That's the thing is he is a deep threat. He is a touchdown scorer. He is a volume target. Uh, monster. He has solid, solid hands. He does have a, a bit of an issue with drops, but um, again, his contested catch rate was 13th best in the league, 54.2, um, you know, sixth in the league in receiving yards. I mean, this is conceivably a guy that could lead the league or be top five in the league in receiving yards and touchdowns. And you're getting him in the fourth round. Are you kidding me? That's, that's stupid. That's it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. He should be easily be, t- be talked about as a top, 10 wide receiver going in the first three rounds, but I'm seeing him in the fourth and sometimes the fifth, depending on, you know, what the league settings are. My second guy is Adam Thielen. Uh, Adam Thielen is a guy that I think is, you're getting a huge injury discount on this year, especially um, if you go back before this season, a hundred and so the three years before last year, uh, 92, 92 targets, um, 69 receptions. Nice. Uh, 900, 67 yards, five touchdowns, uh, 2017, 143 targets, 91 receptions, 1,276 yards, four touchdowns, 2018, 155 targets. He keeps getting more targets every year. He built up to this. And then of course, last year, hamstring injury was nagging. They wouldn't let it heal. And it just became a chronic issue for him. Adam Thielen is a smart dude. He knows that he is now the, the guy in Minnesota. There is no Stefan Diggs. They brought in a very viable replacement in Justin Jefferson, who is still going to have to keep cornerbacks honest. If you can use the, just the, just on volume alone, Adam Thielen should be going three rounds before what he's going right now. Again, I like to start my, uh, this year, I'm starting most of my drafts running back running back, quarterback, running back in almost every league, three running backs and quarterback. That's how I want to start. I play a lot of super flex. So that's why the quarterback's there. Wide receivers. Who are you getting then? How are you? The reason I like pounding running backs and quarterbacks first is because dudes like Adam Thielen are sitting in the sixth and seventh round and you're taking them as your wide receiver two. And you're like, Oh, let me just cash in checks. You're not getting running backs that are giving you that production that late. But you are going to get wide receivers because there are, you know, potentially 15 to 25 guys that I am perfectly content with being my wide receiver one and wide receiver two. And so this is why you have to go running back earlier this year because dudes like Adam Thielen are basically free. Dudes like Keenan Allen are basically free. Another guy I would put in the same kind of category from just the targets say that you should be taking him earlier and that he's just falling in drafts everywhere. Keenan Allen is not on my list though because. DJ Chark is DJ Chark is my boy. Uh, I'm planting my flag on him this year. Uh, I see too many similarities and I've said this on the show before, so I won't go into as much detail. Um, if you want to hear my full DJ Chark 
you know, rant, go listen to the show that we did with Debra a few, a few weeks back. DJ Chark reminds me a lot of a young AJ Green. They have the same offensive coordinator as when AJ Green was getting 170 something targets for two straight years in 2012 and 2013. Now Jay Gruden is, is the guy calling the place uh, for DJ Chark. Is it out of the question to see DJ Chark as a similar type, type archetype player, not saying they're the same talent, but archetype as a young AJ Green? I think the, the similarities are just striking. DJ Chark is probably a better athlete than AJ Green was when he came out of school. DJ Chark is just as big. He's faster. He's already shown last year he had a thousand yard season. All he needs is some touchdowns. All he needs is more opportunity. If you give him, you know, he had, I think he had 118 targets last year. If he bumps that up to 150 targets, which I think is perfectly reasonable, the team's terrible. They're going to be throwing all year. DJ chart could easily return just exponential value. And again, he could be your wide receiver too. In most leagues, this is just a no brainer for me. Uh, number four, similar guy as DJ Chark that I think is just on a bad team that could produce massive numbers, Terry McLaurin. He's already shown you he's the stud. He already knows that he's the alpha dog there. We're banking on Dwayne Haskins being a good quarterback. I'm not sure I'm totally on board with that, but I think he's going to be competent enough and throwing enough that Terry McLaurin is going to just eat from a target perspective. Um, I actually am buying a lot of Steven Sims too on the same offense, but for me, Terry McLaurin, he's too cheap to not go out and get him as a wide receiver. You know, I don't really, I don't really mind him as my wide receiver one. If I have to, I prefer him as a wide receiver two, but again, it doesn't matter because he's they're, 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 these guys are getting pushed down draft boards everywhere. Number five, this is a long shot guy, uh, but someone I seem to be gravitating towards every, every single draft. I do Henry Ruggs. Of all the rookies outside of maybe Jalen Rager, I think Ruggs has the best opportunity to walk into 100 plus targets. Uh, I think Ruggs has playmaking ability that you you can't teach four to seven speed. I mean that just that, that will translate immediately. There is no waiting period for that to translate. All they have to do is get him the ball in space. I don't trust John Gruden, but I trust the fact that they're going to see a guy like Henry Ruggs. They've already said it. They see Henry Ruggs as their version of Tyree Kill. I don't know if he's going to command that type of target. And I don't think he's going to, he obviously doesn't have Patrick Mahomes. But I do like taking him as a flyer in a year where maybe you're going to need a guy as your wide receiver four or five that could just give you like a week or two of just massive, you know, massive boom potential. That's where I like Henry Ruggs. Um, Again, basically dirt cheap. Most of these wide receivers are. My last guy here, and this is, this is one that, I feel like shouldn't I shouldn't have to make a huge case for, but for some reason I just keep seeing this guy. I feel like nobody talks about this this guy in this position anymore. But uh, Emmanuel Sanders, he is walking in as the wide receiver two for the Saints. Drew Brees likes to throw the ball, not as much as he did in previous years, but they still like to throw the ball quite a bit. Emmanuel Sanders is a perfect scheme fit for what they like to do. He is still winning. in those in that short to intermediate route, which is something that they needed someone that can consistently create from that uh, portion of the field. Um, if you don't think Emmanuel Sanders coming off an Achilles tear last year, which is just ridiculous, 
But if you don't think that Emmanuel Sanders can make a difference in this offense, look at what he did when he got traded to the 49ers last year. Uh, before Sanders arrived, Jimmy Garoppolo, seven games, he was averaging 187 yards a game, seven touchdowns, six interceptions. After Sanders arrived, 10 games, 266 yards a game, 20 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Emmanuel Sanders has a knack for opening up the offense in giving other people opportunities in a way that other wide receivers don't because he is a savvy route runner. He does make the most of his opportunities. And I think people are just forgetting about him. They just, they've forgotten about this talent. Stompy knows he was, I mean, Stompy watched him on the Broncos for years. Emmanuel Sanders is a good, you you know, John's a Broncos fan. Right? John is a Broncos fan. Apparently. Right. That's right. Uh, you know, you. I, I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys know that Emmanuel Sanders is good. Uh, he's another year. Rem- yeah, you're preaching to the <laughs> choir in terms Easy, of he was good. He was Easy. good, and now he's old. That this is not fair. <laughs> and he is. He's going to an old quarterback with at least two. He averaged thirteen point nine yards per catch last year. He can still be good. Yeah, I, I, that's fine. I don't mind this one. Jared I think Cook's that, still too. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I we we still saw you know, we still saw you know wide receiver like NFL wide receiver one type of uh, of production out of him down the stretch in San Francisco, and and they're not even asking him to be that. They're mm-hmm. asking him to you know to to benefit from the softer coverage being on the other side of Michael Thomas. That's something he hasn't had since, you know, Demarius Thomas was, you know, actually worth guarding. So it, I don't know. I, 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 I'm intrigued by Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I, he's, that's not really a point in the draft where I'm uh, targeting wide receivers, but if I was, I think Emmanuel Sanders would be a, a guy that I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. I just don't know where the targets are coming from, I guess. Um, I mean, Ted Ginn's gone. Drew Brees. So well, okay, but he, no, at a minimum, at a minimum first off, that. John, <laughs> yeah. let's let's address that oh. nonsense <laughs> that just went on. You're not even a father, and you you did that crap. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but like coming from Drew Brees's arm. Yeah, my so I mean it's Michael Thomas at 185 last year, Alvin Kamara at 97, and then Jared Cook to 60 at 65. And then Ted Ginn was 56, and it just keeps dropping from there. I, there's just a gigantic cliff. I don't know if he's going to be fantasy relevant this year. I, I just – that team, though, last year they, they did throw a, a, a decent amount. They threw 581 times, obviously. Uh, Drew Brees was injured, so Teddy Bridgewater threw a ton. But um, the year before only threw 519 times uh, with Drew Brees um, healthy for – the entire season. Like, I just don't, why, why would they change that up and throw more and make? Because they have to, because Alvin Kamara is no longer Alvin. Oh my God. What does that even mean? He's still going (laughs) to garner a hundred targets. We should just quit the show right there. Cause that was, (laughs) Holy God. Do, do I, we could make a top six list of John's worst takes tonight. Me and Stompy I mean, should trash. be critiquing it's such that. A bad take. Yeah, that's not the exercise, though. That's that's pointless. That's it's terrible. Such um, a bad take. Why? What do you mean? You're, why? We we no. You're, I, no, you're, no, you're trying no, to advocate no. for the running game no. is a reason that they're not going to throw the ball no. as is even as much as they did. The running game was 
was dreadful with Alvin Kamara. What? Yeah, you heard me. You want you want to try that again? He buoyed his stats by catching the ball out of the backfield. He had almost 800 yards rushing, dude. What are you talking about? He ran for 4.7 yards per attempt. What are you talking about? Oh, my God. What are you talking about? And Latavius Murray ran for almost almost 637 yards. I'm trying to make the case for you here, Ethan. (laughs) I mean, but you're doing it in a way that's just slanderous to Alvin Kamara, which isn't. I don't like Alvin Kamara after the season he just had. Oh my! So so he's not. (laughs) Are you? (laughs) That was was messed up. It's a little bit. It's a little bit personal. He went 14 (laughs) weeks without scoring a damn touchdown. That you can't do that. Um, that's not okay. I can't. I can't deal with that. I'm just stunned that this is <laughs> I can't even believe we're having this conversation. Yeah, you're welcome. The Alvin you're Kamara welcome. is good. Where did we go wrong, Stompy? Where did we go wrong? Yeah. I don't know. He's he he's I don't know if he, he's calling his agent right now, trying to get off of this damn show. Um so <laughs> anyways, let's uh right, I mean just wrap it absolutely up. bananas. I had to take a break there because <laughs> I got crying. so heated. Um <laughs> what are you talking about? Well then I and I laid it out while you were well you No, were I've off. heard you lay it out. It's still a terrible argument. He went 12 weeks 12 weeks Oh god weeks, forbid. What, what did he do without scoring a touchdown? Seasons. I don't care about that. Oh my god. That was two years ago. That's your argument, you by think... the way, against Aaron Rodgers is that he hasn't done it in th- three how many years, years now. How many years? Three years. Okay. And how many years has it been for uh Alvin Kamara? Two years. How many? Two years. You're gonna say you're gonna say two years. Okay, one year. One, okay. one season what where he, he could not where, score. Where did he a touchdown. finish? Where did he finish last year as a running back? I don't care. No, no. Tell me where he finishes a running back. I don't know, but I, R- I mean, RB, I don't care, but I also don't know. RB nine. Okay. okay. Without touchdowns. He and was the RB nine without touchdowns. Yeah. I, I, I don't want somebody who doesn't score touchdowns. He didn't want. He, okay. So when the statistics tell you that he's going to score double digit touchdowns in every two out of three seasons, are you going to trust that he's going to score more touchdowns next season? Or are you going to say he's going to com- continue this downward trend where he didn't score touchdowns? I don't understand. Because, because 18, running back always touchdowns just, the year before. Like, come on. Like, he had 14 and he had 13 touchdowns the, the year he, before that. What, what did he have last year, though? It doesn't get three it's total. Okay. Wait, wait, like, do you think okay like anomalous, anomalous seasons not. don't exist or what? Well, I, I mean, maybe they do, but are you really going to bank on the idea that he's going to to do what running backs never do? Be- and- you mean you mean that the that what he has done each of the last three seasons is finished inside the top ten, and he did he finished. It's because of his. Floor, he's on John. a downward trend, Stompy. <laughs> Except for that doesn't actually work between two points, dummy. <laughs> two points it, it he still he went from what rb that's not how he? statistics work dummy you need more than then you can't say that ever dinner. again again about aaron because he's gone downward in four straight seasons from night or from 2016 to 2019 he has gotten worse every Gosh, season i really thought Alvin we were gonna on. make it all the way through <laughs> not a single roger I, I knew i knew better 
I knew better. We need to ban that name on this show. We just need to stop talking about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Nobody cares. Ideally. Only John cares about this. John, let's wrap this up. Tell us our worst. Ta- Stompy, we're wrapping this up. John, tell us our worst takes of the night. I just our feelings. Jury, this Stomp, we, be- dude, you can keep yelling, but everybody <laughs> listening knows no, no, that we are right about Alvin Kamara and John's not. That's okay. I'm not talking about Alvin <laughs> at John, the end of the at the so end of the day. Quit this goddamn podcast right now. <laughs> you haven't threatened that in a long time, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like it's my mentions that are gonna get crushed over this. So you're not smart. You're not a smart person. No, I'm I'm right on this. It's no, just it, it's not something that people like to hear. Clearly. No. <laughs> well, I'll give you this. You do have confidence and a little bit <laughs> a little more hubris than confidence, really. Yeah. You have to sometimes. Called vaginal um, hubris. If if when when you live on Aaron Rodgers Island, you have to develop some hubris. And sometimes it spills over to Washed up running backs like Alvin Kamara. Anyways, let's move on. Um, let me tell you first what you guys, you guys got some things right. You actually got a lot right. Uh, it's a little difficult to to uh, come up with just six that I agree with because I agreed with most of you guys' list. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with that. But uh, Chris Carson, Stompy's, Stompy's running back, his third running back. And I, I mean, I... I you you laid out the whole case. I'm not going to rehash it. It's just, I mean, who's who's going to get in the way? Seriously, it's it's that depth chart is just. There's nothing. Uh, there's nobody who threatens Chris Carson's job. They're all they're all fighting for you know the RB two scraps. Uh, Leonard Fournette, Ethan's guy. Uh, that's it. That there's some actual touchdown <laughs> regression that we can count on. With Leonard Fournette. Progression. He only scored three touchdowns last year. It's, He's got to progress it's, from there. No, it's positive yeah. regression, Ethan. Shut up. That's a horrible <laughs> – I hate the phrase. But that is a proper phrase. <laughs> Re- regress to to, uh, to more of a, a mean – Return of, to the mean. Yeah. Of, of what – of the number of touchdowns that should be scored by somebody who touches the ball as much as Leonard Fournette did – both in the running game and in the passing game. So um, I, I love Leonard Fournette this year. I think this is this is the to me like the ideal running back combo uh, for a redraft league this year is Joe Mixon and Leonard Fournette. Um, strictly for redraft. <laughs> After that, you're done with them. Uh, number three, Tyler Boyd, Stompy's wide receiver. Uh, and again, I'm you know you you laid out the case. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna repeat it because it's already there. It's just this this offense is just way too explosive, and he's the number one wide receiver uh, in in an offense that we know is going to they're they're going to have to throw the ball. They're going to have to score points. This defense is not going to keep them in games. Number four is Kenny Galladay from Ethan, my wide receiver number one for the year. I mean, just uh, the fact that he led the NFL in receiving touchdowns with, you know, Jeff Driscoll and David Blau for half the season uh, tells you all you need to know. Get a full year with Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay is your wide receiver one for the 2020 season. 
Number five, the Broncos passing stack from Stompy. And, uh, you know, we, we, we've, we're on the same page when it comes to Drew Locke, uh, you know, and, and the upside that he has. Um, again, you know, you're probably not adding those rookie wide receivers for this year. There's not a whole lot to necessarily count on from them. Um, you know, but, you know, y- y- you put Sutton and Fant together and, uh, I, you know, I think that you've got, you've got a, you've got an extremely high floor or uh, an extremely high ceiling and probably a reasonable floor every single week. By the way, um, uh, Hamler is probably a good option for best ball. More best than ball any- for sure. Yeah. Where I, you could have think- like those Nicole Hardman type weeks. Yeah. I mean, and I think Judy actually could too. And, and best ball. I love Judy. If you have to set a lineup, I don't want to try and figure it out with him. Um, Hamler though. Yeah. You, you, you might actually be able to figure it out from time to time when Hamler's going to be, uh, startable for you. And then, uh, Darius Geis actually staying healthy from Ethan. Like that's, that's the big one for me. And I'm, uh, I'm going to actually, I'm going to like, here's, here's the level of my hubris. I'm going to pretend to be a doctor for a second, right in the face of an actual doctor. And say, repeat what I've said before, which is the Darius Geis injuries over the last, you know, year and a half. It's, it's all one injury event. Like, am am I wrong there, Ethan? Like, this is a a lot of what happened ended up being compensatory from the ACL tear, right? I mean, there's no way to know for sure that it was compensatory, but it it is not uncommon for a player returning from an ACL to have issues like what guys had so i can't yeah. like guarantee like this was compensatory there's no way for me to say that there's no way to even really prove that even if i was like working with darius guys on daily yeah. um it just happens to be that the statistics show that if you have an acl tear you're more likely to have some of the issues that he had there you go and i, and I don't have a medical license on the line here so i can say um that like that's what it was um, I'm, I'm actually allowed to say that without any fear of repercussion. So th- th- there you go. I mean, we saw this with, Dar- with Dalvin cook the year prior, uh, you know, j- you don't just assume that Darius Geis just doesn't have any knee cartilage left at this point. That's, that's, that's not what's going on here. Um, let's the things though, that you guys got wrong <laughs> and, uh, keep in mind that we're already at an hour 20 when we were hoping to go an hour. Um, so, you know, there's a certain amount of this where you guys just have to, to take your lumps and accept, uh, that the format was just not a favorable one for you this week. Philip Lindsay Stompy is, uh, I, I just, I, I don't know where the volume comes from. It, here's the thing. And, and number two is Melvin Gordon, Ethan's guy. I don't. If you think that Drew Locke is going to have the breakout that we're expecting, if you think that Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant are going to be as effective as we think they're going to be, how much meat is really left on the bone for either of these running backs? I don't. I don't. I just don't see a path for either of those guys if Drew Locke is going to have the type of breakout season that we're expecting here. Uh, number three is Curtis Samuel. Um, oh, you, you now, you just, now, now you're just going to attack me, aren't you? Because I yelled you, at you. Well, you 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 almost had that. It's just you had three guys kind of in the same range. I almost had that. And, and you picked a guy who is going to be 
you know, the third option at best in his own offense. That's fine. When you could have had the wide receiver one in a very sneaky up upstart offense in Miami. Preston Williams was the correct answer. You almost had that one. Uh, number four, DJ Chark equals AJ Green. Um, I, I I love the flag that you're planting, Ethan. I just, uh, that one feels like a stretch. Um, it feels like, it, it, this also doesn't feel like uh, an AJ Green, you know, Cincinnati Bengals type of offense either. Like DJ Chark, doesn't scream alpha wide receiver to me. He he's, he's a very good role player on an offense with tons of pieces, but is he, is he the guy that, that commands, you know, 30% of the targets? I I don't, I don't see that. Um, Number five, there was way too much value talk on this. I laid out the rules very specifically. Nobody cares about your stupid rules. The the, the rules. (laughs) (laughs) they've been listening to the entire podcast to this point. They clearly, they definitely care about the, they probably don't even remember the rules. (laughs) Well, I I don't totally either, but uh, I, what I do know is that what we were looking for is guys that you're going, you're going to reach for. You're going to uh, you're, you're going to do the Joe Williams pound on the table for him type of thing. That's the, these are the guys that you're going to, go out of your way for value means absolutely nothing in what we're talking about right now. Um, so just to, just to lecture you guys chastise you for just a quick second, hit whip you with a wet noodle. Except, uh, it, wait, except it does because the whole reason yeah. we're going after these dudes is because we like where that we can get them. But that Not doesn't, like- that doesn't help people. So the thing with DJ Chark, I, I love the DJ Chark thing in that, you're you're saying regardless of where he goes in drafts, this is still a guy that you see elite potential in, and you're going to go roster him. In, you know, kind of at regardless. his price. You're you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna reach for him. Like if if you're looking at I don't know, like Calvin Ridley and um, you know, who are the other guys in that range? DK Metcalf. You're going to take one of those guys and risk missing out on DJ Chark? No, I mean, but that's, I thought that, I guess, I guess I just disagree that you can't include value in your, in your, your like, guys. Like your for, opinion, so for, like that, for, that plays a, a role. Part of the reason I yeah. love DJ Chark and the reason I'm trying to go get him is because I'm building rosters around running backs to start. And I like the opportunity that DJ Chark has. Same mm-hmm. thing with an Adam Thielen. Same thing with a, uh, a guy like Kenny Galladay. I like Kenny Galladay because I don't have to spend a second round pick on him. If I did, I probably would not like him. I would not be going to get him because I oh, want running man. backs there. Like that, I, I guess I just don't. This is I think that's a weird rule. But this is this is what we're trying to help people with is um, is you know beyond the value forget about the value like assume that you're not going to be able to sell these guys because people end up in leagues that with especially but, but, but redraft I don't think leagues. it has anything we're not to talking do about selling, selling. we're just talking about where you're and the what's price the point of the value then who cares that, about the value? Well, like okay so i mean for, for instance when we talked about darius geis 
like we like Dar- well, I personally like Darius Geis where he's going because or or at that ADP because so I'm gonna hammer home that Darius Geis is worth the value there. Jordan Howard is worth the value there because that, I think he's gonna get significant touches. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm going to pound the table for this guy is going to get significant touches. And if you look at his value, he's going to outperform his ADP. So you need to get him. It, I, I mean, I think a lot like for me, Chubb and Eckler, sure, those are top end guys that have some question marks around them. I'm going to pound the table for those guys, but Philip Lindsay. Like his value right now is tremendous. If he was going a lot earlier, I wouldn't, I absolutely wouldn't. If he was going top 15, I would be like, absolutely not. You're not going to mm-hmm. get, if he was going ahead of Melvin Gordon, I would say, no, that's not right. So value absolutely plays a role in how we view how much we like these guys. Yeah. But I'm, ta- I'm just, I'm, I'm talking about production and it's all good because I mean, we're, we're at the end of the episode now. It, what's done is done. We're not going to redo this thing. Um, it's, it's actually, uh, it's been pretty horrible for me. I've been on the, I've been on the the wrong side of two versus one way too many times. So, um, there's no way I would want to do this again, but, um, what I'm, all I'm, all I'm saying is what we're looking for is, uh, you know, we're, we're really just kind of, uh, we're looking for production. We're looking for yeah. like, you know, who's, who's actually going to produce if they're stuck on your roster for the entire year, because in a redraft league, it's, it is hard to make trades sometimes. And, uh, you know, people have leagues that are not very active where everybody just wants to draft their team and be done. And we're trying to create a roadmap to, uh, to win. And we're going to, we're going to continue doing exercises that do help with that. Um, as we, Lead so up this season. came down to we didn't follow the rules and John's now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, lecturing us. Yeah, hey John. So let's did finish. People, hold on. Did people learn from this episode? Do you think? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I don't did know. you? <laughs> you said like I said, you guys got some things right. So uh, oh you know, God. they probably they probably learned from so <laughs> roughly a quarter of this episode. That, that was and, such and now, a like on key <laughs> response from you. I mean, maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I am I the know. judge, jury, so. and executioner. They kind of so. did. <laughs> <laughs> and they're learning something now. See, listen, so. his last two points here are lecturing us. <laughs> yeah. Ethan. Yeah. Let me get oh, to the last one. This is important. This dude, is important. when you go to school for as long as what I went to school for, <laughs> you're just used to getting lectured at. Like, I just, you know, in one year out the I'll remember what I need to remember. Yeah. Following John's rules. Mm, I'll forget <laughs> about it. I don't even remember what the rules were to start. So we're yeah. just get, we're just rolling with it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the the last rule, this is an unwritten rule. Um, but that was absolutely violated. You guys' intros took way too long. It took way too long for me to get to do my intro, which is vitally important to this entire podcast. It is the linchpin. Everybody knowing that my voice is on this podcast, the SFD, the Superflex dude, is 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 present and is uh, laying down the law. People need to know that within the first you know 50 seconds of the podcast. So they know to continue to listen to it. I mean, I, oh I would God. love to think Shut that they, I would love to think that they listen when I'm not on too, but I, I mean, there's no guarantees. So I've been using this 
Stanley from the office gif <laughs> that's like him hilariously just like rolling laughing. Because I roll it. And and that no, no, it's the one where he's just like cry laughing. <laughs> and that's what I was doing that entire time you were talking. <laughs> so so dumb. <laughs> now this is the linchpin of this podcast. If you don't get it right, they don't listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you don't let me get my voice out there, yeah. Again, hubris. Gotta have it. You gotta have it if you're me. That's the only way I survive an episode with Stompy and Ethan at the same time. Promoting Alvin Kamara. Yeah, that's the only way it works. So, anyways, that's what you guys did wrong. It's Alvin fine. Kamara, top three running back. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, yeah, see, we learned nothing. All right. With that, though. Let's wrap it up for the week. Hopefully that was informative to someone. Um, I feel dumber, but uh, maybe you guys got something out of it. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts. Mega feed. Get access to all the great podcasts from DLF. This is usually the part where I would ask you to rate and review the podcast, the Superflex Super Show. Uh, but uh, maybe take a week off. Oh my god! I knew this is, <laughs> I knew where this going is not going to. This is not going to go well for me. Lots of lots of one stars and John's an asshole. So yeah, let's let wait till next week. Let's see if I can bounce back for you. Uh, get at us on Twitter at Superflex Show. Even better though, hit us up individually. Stompy's at Stompy the Bear. Is that is that the current one? Oh, I was supposed to talk. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know I had to go. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yes, I'm at Stompy the Bear on Twitter. Good Lord. I hate um, when he does that. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, is spooky. Uh, Ethan's at eTurnerFF underscore PT. I still have that one right, correct? That's still, that's still. It is correct, John. Uh, they're on the screen, though. Like, you shouldn't mess this up. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to do, one. next I'm week, we're opening I... with Ethan's top six most annoying things that John does to us <laughs> on a weekly basis. You only have six. if our Twitter handles are you right. Can, you can narrow it down to literally on the freaking screen. <laughs> you can narrow it down to six. This, That's this was this was fun for making me up rules for games that we made up on the fly before the show. Yeah, enforcing we just rules. I got I got to yell at both of you. <laughs> yeah. I told Ethan to shut up. I called John a dummy. This has been a good podcast for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all uh, we all there was something. You know, you're a bully, Stomp. It's cool. You've been yeah, in the south. Fun. You know, it's cool. It's cool. I, yeah, the dumbness seeped into my brain. I heard it's contagious. Uh, I don't know. Now, and now our outro is taking way too long. Yeah, that's you guys it's too. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, something for everyone here on my podcast. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Thank you. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. Thank you to my co host for the time. And above all else, thank you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah.